Hey everybody, Stephen here from The Truth About Dyslexia. In today's episode, I want to do a bit of a topic uh, around something we see a lot in our Facebook group is adults, partners, parents looking at how they can better support someone with dyslexia. And I just want to run through a few ideas to tickle the mind uh, if you are with someone with one with with dyslexia some of the things that i've seen some of the ways i've enjoyed being supported uh, things that have actually worked rather than just frustrated so let's dive in okay so uh, you've probably you may have if you've been listening to me for a while you may have heard me do other podcasts on support you know this comes up a lot there are so many ways to do it uh, and so many different ways to to think about it and it, it, it's very different if you're a parent. It's very different if you're a partner. Um, you know, those are probably the two biggest ones, if I'm honest. But, you know, the challenges are exactly the same. You know, I, I see this looking at a six and a half year old running around. You know, the way her brain works, and I would probably say she's probably a little bit more ADHD in the way she operates, but she is, she is a visual thinker. She's very creative. Um, but some of the challenges she has... You know, it's interesting to watch her because it reflects, I can see the patterns in myself. I operate the same way. So parents, adults, we all operate in a very similar way. I think the challenge can be is as dyslexics age, what you'll find when you're supporting them is they'll have developed a bunch of different coping mechanisms. You know, you'll probably, you know, you'll see it and everyone will be different. Um, every person with dyslexia, and if you're not that aware or fay with it, you probably won't see the patterns across them. I see them a lot because I, you know, hey, this is what I do. I enjoy it. I'm, I'm watching people, not in a creepy way, but, you know, watching what the similar, you know, similar things done in different ways look like. But the common thing is many dyslexics are masking their inabilities from a very early age they've you know we're the kids the adults that learn to be safe we have to fit in to a point but we don't fit in so we're finding these kind of mechanisms to fit in i'll give you a great example i, I interviewed miss south dakota a couple of years back now and uh, chatting to her she was brilliant it's a great episode um, that we did but what she said was at the age of four she really struggled to read and she'd be sitting with other kids in the classroom and she would pick up a book and she could work out how to time it. So it looked like she was reading when she wasn't. It actually got me thinking, I'm pretty sure I did something similar from memory when I couldn't keep up. As long as I looked like I was keeping up, that was fine. So I created that little strategy when I was a kid to kind of get through it at that age which is kind of mad, right? That's quite a smart thing to do when you really think about it. You know, it's not stupid. And this is the point. Dyslexics are not stupid. You know, when you're supporting someone with dyslexia, they are not an idiot. They're probably smarter than others. You know, you know in my personal opinion, their brains are really powerful. The issue is they can't always access it. They can't always understand it. Not really taught to deal with it. So when you are supporting them, you have to be very conscious that there are a bunch of these these landmines floating around that may not be directly a dyslexic trait. You know, pretending to read is not a dyslexic trait, but it is a, a reflection of the challenges they've been going through. And if you've, you know, the older we get, the more of these mechanisms go into place and they become very much part of our identity, whether we realize it or not. Um, some of them are true. Some of them are fake. Some of them are, 
you know, it's it, they're so varied, and no no two dyslexics have created all the same coping mechanisms because we've all had different experiences. So when you're supporting us, when you're supporting us, you've just got to be aware that these exist, and they're not directly a negative against you because some of these 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 coping mechanisms can, you know, seem pretty tough, right? You know, some of us use the I need to be liked mechanism. That could be one that's really been built up over the years where we'll do anything we can to be liked and thus even detrimental to ourselves and detrimental to the outcomes we were really forced to be liked. Others of others will completely decide that if they don't want anything in life, then eh, it's okay, we'll just get by. You know, take it as it comes. Becomes a very chilled out vibe, but not caring is kind of one of their core mechanisms. So when you're supporting a dyslexic, you know, not to say that others don't have these, but we would definitely have them at a very high degree because these are our safety kind of tools that we use to feel safe in a world that feels like it doesn't get us. And that's the key is we live in this world of feeling like we haven't been gotten. You know, the best way if you really want to support someone with dyslexia is to is to kind of cut the crap is what I would say is cut the the BS of saying, oh, you'll be great. You'll be fantastic. You know, we need a little bit of that. We need a little bit of support in that respect. But we also need the hard truth. That's what build res- builds respect. You know, it's very, very important to have that. Like if someone is just telling me what they think I want to hear because they think that's the nice thing to do. I will discredit them very quickly as being an idiot. Does that make sense? <laughs> you know, if you are dyslexic, maybe you're listening is going, yeah, I get that. But like it's it's like where we can see through fakeness. We can you know, our brains are trying to mask everything all the time. Our brains are very quick at working out some of this stuff. You know, it frustrates us. Sometimes we just don't want to be around other people. You know, there's a bunch of pieces to this, but we're we're not, you know, our brains are always operating. So if you wanted, if someone wanted to support me when I was younger, it's it's say, hey, Stephen, you know, you're dyslexic, you've got some issues, I can see that. It's not easy, right? It's pretty tough. But we're going to need to actually deal with some of these challenges, or you're going to keep hitting a brick wall. Do you get that? I'll be like, yeah, I get that. You know, so how do you want me to help you? Do you want me to be direct? Do you want me to ask you if I can give you advice? Okay, guys, there's a bit of a cut in the pod there. I was recording away, completely forgot to turn my phone off of uh, silent mode while I recorded, and someone called Murphy's Law, right? Um, But what I was saying stays true. Giving advice to us, you know, when you've got dyslexia, is challenging, right? We, We have all these barriers, all these walls. So be true with us. Be real with us. You know, cut the small talk. Now, and this can be the same with kids, right? Like I, you know, the other day I, I had a moment with, with Darwin and she was really struggling with understanding winning and losing. And, you know, very easily I could have placated her and made her feel good in the moment, but she was doing something that was fundamentally a bad value to, to have. Now, it's pretty tough, right? It's very hard to parent. I think anyone, <laughs> but like, you know, in my opinion, in that moment, I had to be firm with her in a loving and caring way. I had to use visual examples. So I had to actually say, Hey, 
I go through that experience as well all the time here, here and here. It's okay. It's part of the part of the journey, you know, and so, you know, bringing in similes, metaphors to working with us is huge as well. Many of us, you know, we've talked, I've talked about this in other podcasts around trigger words is using generic words too often doesn't work. But if you can bring a story in to trying to teach us something, you're going to find massive benefits. So bring a story from your past, create a story you've heard, you know, generate any story. All of our lives are just made up stories anyway, you know, so bring in stories that could help us see, you know, we would have definitely been all the kids that love the nursery rhymes, the fables, you know, many of us can still remember a bunch of it and the underlying lessons that were created. You know, we kind of need to learn by new age fairy tales to kind of get our head around things. You know, and, and, you know, it's like when you're supporting those with, with dyslexia, you've just got to be very conscious that, you know, some of us as well can, can read, can, we can work through that. There are more and more courses than there have ever been, but from an emotional side, you know, many of us are still dealing with the same turmoil in our heads of overthinking, overactivity, all this stuff going on. And so just be aware that that's happening and that's Okay. Let things go, really let things go because, you know, if you're supporting, if I'm being supported, I've, you know, I've, I've learned that like I struggle to ask for help because it feels like I've failed. And so you're probably going to run into, you know, dyslexic children, adults, you know, where we put our back up if, you know, you try and force help on us and vice versa, you know, um, you know, it's, it's important. Like we, we can sometimes be complete hypocrites in that respect. So, Notice that as well. There's to be honest, there's so much to the supporting pod, and and you'll find a heap of these throughout the history of Truth About Dyslexia's podcast, because it's there's so many challenges we have. <laughs> it sounds terrible, right? Well, there are just so many different ways we operate from from my experience uh, versus the greater public, and so with support, you know, show empathy, understand we're struggling, and it's okay. Sometimes we just need a hug. We don't need you to solve every problem in our life in this exact moment. We just need someone to say, hey, it's okay, you'll get there. Tomorrow's another day. You know, one one that I use a lot with myself, because half of this is self-support, right, is is really when, when we get into these moments, and this is this is a great tip for anyone. If you're if, if your child, your friend, your partner is going through a period where they're overthinking things, they're stressed, it's all kind of being bowled up emotionally, what I always try and get them to do is to step back and to imagine a, a camera zooming out into space. You know, how big is the problems they're actually dealing with? Will they remember them? Will they remember them like what they had for dinner two weeks ago, which they can't remember? Is it actually that bad? Because nine times out of ten... It's just blown out of proportion. They're going down rabbit holes. So to support us, just go, does it really matter? Will you remember it in a week? You know, will you remember this in a month? What about a year? What will you actually remember? You know, if I asked you all today, what do you remember about last year? There's probably two or three things. <laughs> it's not a lot of the minor detail, but in the moment, the dyslexic mind can really beat us up or overwhelm us. So to support us, you know, just take a step back, remind us that, you know, it's not all about today. Tomorrow will come. There will be another day. 
you know. So that's kind of a bit of a roundabout supporting podcast. I just wanted to talk to people about that because it's really important to, you know, you can support us with, you know, helping us with reading and writing to a point, but there's so much more going on in our brains. So hopefully that's given you a few thoughts. Um, I know it cut off a little bit in the middle there, but uh, (laughs) bear with me um, and I'll be back next week.